This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step Trader. This is the latest episode of our new podcast, Limit Up. We're here to talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. We'll be doing some episodes every week, so make sure you subscribe via iTunes or Android Play. Today, I'm joined here with John Hoagland, Senior Performance Coach. Hello, John. Hey, Eddie. Great to be here with you. Thanks for having me. You know, my pleasure here today. We're talking with Peter Davies, founder of Jigsaw Trading and Trader, who focused on trading the E-mini S&P 500. I'm really excited to talk to Peter about how he got into trading and some of the early challenges he faced, but we're really going to dig in deep here on how to create a trading strategy. Yeah, Peter's a great guy. It's a great tool, and, uh, you know, in dealing with and interacting with traders every day, Developing a, a strategy is is one of the hardest things, and, and then being able to stick with that strategy is uh, is the next step. And having a tool where you that you can put a framework over the marketplace can certainly help. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, hey, let's get started. Here's my conversation with Jigsaw Trading's Peter Davies. Well, Peter, uh, very nice to have you here with us today. Thanks, Eddie. It's good to be here. Very nice to. Uh, have the privilege also uh, to talk about a topic that all traders uh, throughout their careers are continually upgrading, fine-tuning, uh, trying to correct. And we're talking about developing a strategy. Now, uh, before we get into the topic, just want to ask you a few questions, Peter, uh, regarding sure. trading. Now, um, can you tell us a little bit on how you got into trading? Yeah, sure. Well, um I used to be uh, used to be in IT. Um, I used to be like a contract project manager, um, traveling all over the world. And like a lot of people, um, you kind of get a little bit older and you realize you don't really have a pension. And uh, fortunately, though, I was in a situation where I was kind of self-employed, had quite a lot of money. And uh, I found some financial advisors who seemed like geniuses to me because I knew nothing about uh, investing or trading or anything. I uh, found some financial advisors, independent, so they were called. Um, and actually, not just one set, but a, a number of different financial advisors spread that out. Um, the upshot of that, within a few years, I'd managed to lose 30% of my net worth. Um, basically, it was leading up to the dot-com bubble burst. And uh, it was an interesting conversation I had with these guys because basically, you know, I had no idea about finance, but I knew one thing that these guys – had less of an idea about finance than I did. I mean, they, they were supposed to be experts, lost a lot of money. And I sat in a meeting with the, the main financial advisor, and his advice was to, um, to get the 30% back. He was gonna, we were going to leverage the rest of the money. And um, what all the, all the firm would have to do would be to make 10% in the next 12 months to get the 30% back. Right. And um, and I said, OK, well, you say you've just got to make 10 percent in the next 12 months. You know, how exactly are you going to do that? And he said, oh, well, with, you know, with with enough flexibility and freedom, anybody can make 10 percent. And I looked at him and said, you've just lost 30 percent. And you're saying that anybody can make 10. So at that point, I said, look, I'm done. Just just cash everything in. 
And I literally just cashed everything in, just walked away, uh, opened up an account with an interactive brokers. I figured literally I'm paying these guys to lose my money. So even if I lose the money myself, I'm still not paying somebody else to do it. Um, and that's what I got, what I got into trading. Um, never, ever intended to get involved in day trading at all. But it's just that when you actually start to look at, um, the, at trading, it, it's just this big, it's just this huge thing. It's just this thing called investing. And as you look at it, you find out all these, these different methods and different approaches. And some things just resonate with you. Uh, and some things seem a little bit more interesting. And for me personally, I do invest. I like to invest in companies that have got uh, bad news. Um, I you know, for companies really well capitalized, but got like a product recall or something like that. I think that's a great investment because they get sold off quite hard. Um, but really, I, I, I really gravitate towards day trading because literally uh, I'm much more comfortable with uh, knowing what's happening in the next two minutes than the next two months or two years. So, you know, I've been in a lot of, uh, and still am in a lot of situations with stocks where, you know, you've had a stop for six months and then the CEO says something or there's an article or, or whatever comes out and it just wipes your gains. And um, which is why I tend to go for stocks that are in a little bit of short-term trouble because uh, that's starting to happen. So I just feel a lot more comfortable just saying, okay, well, what's going to happen in the next few minutes uh, than to say, well, what's going to happen in the next six months? Because like literally anything can happen that can knock the price for long-term investment down. Um, and so that's kind of why I ended up as a day trader. All right, you know, let me add to that real quick. Yet. Was there a, a relative, a friend, a fellow worker that sort of pointed you in a direction and said, hey, this is, uh, this is a way to make some money? No, not at all. In fact, a lot of my friends were in the financial industry as uh, a lot of them were IFAs, independent financial advisors. And none of them, I'd never done business with a friend, but I actually knew that I knew that side of the business from them. And I knew the kind of commissions they were making. So um, I didn't trust anybody in the industry. And I didn't actually know. Um, at that point, I didn't know that I knew some traders. I actually knew some friends who were in the trading business. But I didn't really know what they did until a little bit later on. All right. Now, Peter, how does someone new, new to trading? It's brand new. Let's say someone new uh, to trading start to approach a developing uh, strategy. How do they? How do they? What's the best way to start an, a strategy for trading? Well, I think I think for most people, the problem is the most for most people. What you're probably going to do first is find and uh, look for an easy way to trade, right? And and there is no easy way to trade. So I think for a lot of people, certainly a lot of people that I work for, you're going to have to go through a period of, of being disappointed and getting ripped off a little bit. Um, because at the end of the day, if, if you've got two people sitting in front of you and one telling you it's going to be hard work and you're the ones telling you you're going to be making $10,000 a, a week within, uh, within three days, you're going to, there's a tendency to believe the second person. So, um, I don't really know any, any way to shortcut that for a lot of people unless you know people in the industry that can, uh, drum some common sense into you. So I think we, I think we have a period where we, we're going to have to make some wrong turns. But then after that, I think one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest problems I think that most traders are uh, have is they try and approach it from the outside in. Um, so if you think of like concentric circles of trading where the real short term trading is in the in the middle on the inside circle. And then as you move outwards, you've got kind of longer term trading. Um, you go almost anywhere 
on the web and they'll tell you, well, you should start swing trading first and then you should like look at the, the lower time frame trading after that. But in the professional industry, they'll start you off short term trading first. So, so that's what I mean by the inside out. You start at short term trading uh, and build your longer term trading skills um, over time because they take longer to build. So I think the first thing people have to do is they have to start start short term to start with. All right. Now talk about specific or defined. Um, should a trading system be a specific or defined strategy? Yeah, I, I think I think people have a problem with a couple of things when it comes to that. So people um, people equate specific with mechanical. Which is like very rule-based, solid, you know, solid rule-based trading, and then they look at um, discretionary trading, which is most, what, what most traders I know do, and what most prop firms I know do. Um, they see discretionary trading as something like quite random, and just like, um, you know, just just oh, the market's doing this, I'll do this, and just to have like a trade all the time. So I think you have to be very specific. Um, even if you're a discretionary trader, you still have to be very specific. You still have to have very solid rules. Um, but I think um, you don't have to be mechanical. It's not like when this line crosses that line, do this, right? I don't know anybody who trades like that. So I think you have to be specific, but you have to be discretionary. And I think the fewer things that you use, the better. Because, you know, I, I review people's trade plans quite often, and I've been reviewing some this week. And one of the things I've had, it's like they've, they've got a plan that's so vague that it almost lets them enter the market any time. And there's no way when that stops working, when that doesn't actually play out as you expect, you know, when you want to make money, obviously, you don't profit from that. You've literally got no way to know why it's not working. So if you're more specific, um, so for instance, uh, to, be, to be very specific, uh, for instance, I've got a trade I take that's close to the open. Um, I will take it in the first, you know, first 15 or 20 minutes. I won't take it outside of that. I will look for some very specific things and I've really nailed down. I've got one sheet of paper that says these are the things I'm looking for. This is, this is the behavior I'm expecting. But then I look at other people's trading plans and they'll say, well, if the market's in a range, do this. And if the, you know, if, if the market's kind of, if it was an opening drive start, do this. And if it was, uh, you know, if, if, the middle of the week do this and that, and they're trying to they're trying to put all these different scenarios into one strategy. And then I look at all those scenarios, and I say to the person, "Well, okay, can you tell me how often that scenario has a desired result?" And the answer is no, they can't tell. And it's okay. So if you don't know roughly how 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 often something happens, how are you going to know how many trades a day you should have? And if you don't know, you know, so it might have a certain scenario. You might have a certain scenario like. Um, an iceberg order, right? And an iceberg order will sometimes hold the market, sometimes it won't. But if you were trading an iceberg order, but only trading with the market, so you're like a bid-side iceberg order, if you were trading that, you should know uh, which market conditions to trade in. You shouldn't have a rule for all market conditions. Not if the, you know, so you shouldn't say, well, if it's a, a one-way day, do this, and if it's really slow, do this, and if it's, you know, it's, if it's if it's a regular kind of uh, you know day trader swingy day, do this. You should actually just pick one of those, 
And then for that one set of market conditions, you can say, okay, what, how, you know, you should know how many icebergs, you know, per hour under those conditions you should get. And you should also know what's the outcome of those iceberg orders when they occur, how many break and how many hold the market. You should know all of those things before you even start to figure out how to trade it, right? So what I come across is a lot of people, they don't, you say, okay, well, you've got these 10 different market conditions and these 10 different entry conditions. So, you know, you've got hundreds of combinations. How are you going to, how, how can you tell for any combination what the frequency of win rate should be so that you know when you look at your results whether the market behavior changed or you just were pretty crappy at execution? And they can't do that. So they'll get this little bit from here and this little bit from here and this little bit from here and this little bit from here. And all those little bits they got from different places, they've got no idea how, what, what, how well they work or how frequently they work. And then they put them all together into this thing where literally no person on the planet knows whether that thing should work or not. And no person on the planet knows what the win, win rate, the best, you know, the potential win rate is. And nobody on the planet knows whether the failure of that setup or the, the setup working is the most profitable thing to take. Uh, nobody knows what the outcome should be um, when you have a favorable, um, you know, when you have a favorable result. And if you don't know all that stuff, you're kind of just trading at random. You've got a plan, and there's a lot of stuff in your plan, but like you've got no idea what the outcome should be. So um, you have to be, you have to at least have as uh, so few conditions that you can actually uh, know the expected outcome. So, so basically, as you're putting that game plan together, and as the markets are moving, you're, you're uh, uh, figuratively just sort of checking boxes off. Okay, it's hit this, it's did this, and that's going to sort of uh, point you in the right direction for a more successful trade. Is that what you're? you're yeah, I mean, the thing is, if the, if you can narrow it down to as few um, as few trades uh, per day, or as or as few conditions where you're going to trade. So you might know five different market conditions. So you're going to say, well, I'm going to stick to one. And then you might know five different trades. So you might, let's say you know five market conditions and five trades. You've probably got 25 combinations, right? So you choose one of the market conditions and you choose one of the trades. So now all of a sudden you've got one, you know, you've got one potential setup. And then get to know, okay, so, so how, how many of those trades do I get in those market conditions? Uh, how, how, and how well do they work? And then you say, okay, that's what I'm going to trade. Or you might say, actually, that doesn't look very good, does it? I'm going to get, I'm going to get one a year, and it and it fails 90% of the time. Okay, there's no point, there's no point working on that that uh, behavior if if that's the case. But a lot of people put all these things together without knowing how how those things are going to work. So I think as few things as possible to get your first profitable trade. Now uh, we talk about. Uh, uh, strategy, we talk about uh, our game plans, we talk about uh, the approach to markets. We're all very different as far mm -hmm. as uh, our characters are different. Nobody really trades the same. They might all be studying the same technicals, um, the same methodology, but as what we take out of a lot uh, mm -hmm. is for us as traders, what yeah. works for us? What doesn't work for us? Uh, how personal is a trading strategy? Oh, very. I mean, um, you know, one of the common questions you, you see on internet forums, trading forums, is what's the ideal personality of a trader? And it's funny because even if you get the answer, if it's not your personality, what are you going to do? You're going to change your personality? 
So I can tell you, I know traders. I mean, even in one office, I know a trader who does yoga and he's very relaxed. He's very chill. I was talking to him yesterday. He's very relaxed, very chilled out. Um, one of the guys that works for him breaks keyboards every other day. You know, he get, loses a trade, he throws his keyboard out the window. Um, I know a guy who trades who most likely is bipolar, right? And uh, he has a team of four people, uh, researchers working for him. And, and he's a day trader, though. And in a day, if the researchers miss a trade, he'll spend three hours ranting at them, even though he'll miss more trades ranting at them. But he's a brilliant trader. And I, so I think, first of all, there is no personality uh, type for trading. But you certainly have to match your personality type with the market, can, the, the type of market in terms of volatility and the strategy. So, uh, for instance, there's, you know, if you look at like a, a really fast market would be the DAX. Um, really not a great market for somebody like me. Uh, it's too fast. I like to kind of have to spend a little bit of time to make a decision. S&P 500, um, uh, it's been a bit poor the past few months, but that to me has got a nice moderate pace on it. And then you've got like the the U.S. interest rate products that are so slow. I mean, if I watch if I watch um, the the interest rate products, like literally, Facebook opens up on its own on another screen and just entices me. I just can't watch. I can't watch. It's too slow. But I know people are doing nothing but that. So I think there's um it might be like attention span more than personality, but I think there's certainly uh, a level of uh, activity that certain traders need to see. Uh, so that's one thing of suiting to your personality or uh, attention span. And then I think also time in trade um, is, is also a, a key factor um, and, and trade frequency. So some people don't like being in trades for long. Some people like to do lots of trades per hour because it suits their personality. But absolutely, you have to find something that works for you. So if you fall asleep watching the interest rates, there's no point, there's no point trying to do it um, because you won't, you, if you can't hold your attention – um, so I think absolutely, but there's, there's definitely no personality type for trading, um, no ideal personality trait, but then there's definitely a market that you will find easier to read than, than other markets. Okay. Now, how do you know if your trading strategy needs to be refined? I know a lot of us sort of trade, trade, trade until we hit a wall, and then we, we bounce off the wall, take a few steps, and say, what happened? What did I do? Now, uh, we talking... Uh, minor adjustments, are we talking completely overhauled? Well, I think you've got um, – it, it depends Depends how diligent you are, right? So what we talked about earlier was really trying to find a behavior to trade. And um, if you find a behavior to trade, you should know the frequency and the expectancy of that behavior, right? Now, if you don't make money – that behavior might still be there in the market. So I think the key factor in knowing whether your strategy needs to be reviewed, first of all, is, is, is if the behavior is okay, but you're not making money, but the behavior kind of tells you, you know, like if, if, if crude, let's say your behavior is buying the previous low of the day and it holds on crude five times in a day, but you're missing it five times, then you need to review. So I think the first is a disparity between how the market's behaving and how well you're executing that behavior, right? So I think that's the first thing that's going to tell you you need to change. And the second thing is changes in market behavior because, you know, you might find a really, really good setup that you can trade. You know, you found this behavior in the market. Um, you know, you've been watching it for three months, and then you start trading it. You're doing it really well for, for a month. And then that behavior changes slightly, 
right? And then that, and then you have to change your strategy. That's an instant change. So you can't. Um, but you, it's not an instant change. That's not really a right thing to say, because sometimes when the market changes, you do wait. You know, you can wait it out and say, okay, is that a big change or is it going to revert back? But after a certain amount of time of watching the market behavior change. You have to come up with a new. You have to come up with an adjusted strategy. Now, now, Peter, let me ask you something. Is there any? Now, I know there's not any surefire way, but is there any indications that we can sort of catch ourselves? Any red flags before we get too deep uh, into a into an incorrect strategy or uh, an incorrect look at the market? I mean, what's from some of your experiences? What what have you uh, you know came about that you can maybe share with us? Well, obviously, the big one is understanding the behavior that you're trying to trade before you try and trade it, right? If you don't do that, you've got no, you've got no, no recourse when it, things don't work. And what I would say is, you know, if you track your results and make sure that you've got good tracking software that you can actually see your results over time, right? Um, so if you if you start if if your P&L changes, um, if your timing trade changes. Um, if you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the obvious stuff, right? Um, I mean, I believe in tracking behavior against um, execution. Um, so it's if the market behavior changes. But um, I, I just think you have to take a checkpoint and uh, make sure that you can understand when the, your trading, your P&L takes a dive, you've got to be able to know the cause of that dive. Um, and, and if you can't do that, then when it goes wrong, there's, there's nothing you can do. Um, but we all have bad patches, and I think you, you have to do things on the day. For instance, um, you have to give yourself a cutoff for the day, right, so that you've got a maximum loss for the day. Um, I would say you also give yourself like a maximum number of uh, a maximum number of trades in a row that you allow yourself to lose, um, with a caveat that you can you sometimes can throw uh, you know a one lot at the market just to kind of try and get a bit more engagement. That doesn't really count. Um, but, um, yeah, in terms of what, what, how to tell that your trading is going awry, um, I think if you check it too often, you'll probably make it go awry, but I'd say every two to four weeks, uh, check your trading. Um, and also if you can, if you've got the kind of strategy where you, you've got the time to do a decent trade log, um, just make sure, you know, just, just take a note for every trade you take of whether you're actually sticking to your plan or not. Because I think that's the biggest thing, is that you, the, you know, the biggest biggest cause of failure is actually deviating from the plan uh, when it seems a little bit off. Peter, how would we uh, overcome? I, we talk about getting our own game plan together. Uh, that's where you're doing the homework. You're you're putting you're you're looking at the market and uh, what you see and what you think and uh, how you calculate. Um, how about if we're we're in a slump and and it's been like it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're coming into Thursday and there has not been a day uh, that my game plan is working. I, I the market is just completely against me. The market knows uh, where I'm putting my stops. And yeah. what's the best way uh, to, to sort of pick yourself up in a positive tone? Get yourself back in the game. Um, bring back that focus. Start to build up the confidence. What what would be something that you would tell a trader? Well, I think you got, there's a couple of things you've got to do, right? So the first thing you've got to do is make sure that the that if the is there something you're missing, right? So if you've got other trader friends, I would first of all I would be talking to other trader. The first thing I do, I talk to the people I know um, 
that trade professionally and just see if they've seen something in the market that I'm missing that's, that should be like a red flag. So that's the first thing I do, especially trading from home. Uh, second thing I do uh, is, like you say, it's, it's, it's about being positive. If the market's fine, there's nothing really changed, um, you've got to try and figure out if it's your execution and what, your own fear that's actually causing the issue. So if it's your own fear that's causing the issue, um, this is one that John Grady gave me. Um, the best way to get back in, uh, if you've got the fear, and, and the fear will kill you because the fear will keep you getting stopped out. You'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll keep getting stopped out. You'll, you'll be loss averse, and then your movie stops, and all kinds of crazy things. Um, one of the best thing techniques I've ever heard is to actually allocate a, an amount of money to lose. Now, obviously, we've all got different risk tolerance, stuff like that. So, you know, whatever it is, if it's $100 or $500 or $2,000 or whatever it is, just depending on the scale you're trading, right, give yourself an amount of money to lose, right, and tell yourself, right, I am now going to go back and I'm going to execute my strategy perfectly with the intention of losing this $2,000, right? So you're going to the table and you say, right, I'm going to throw this $2,000 away and I'm going to trade perfectly because the market's against me. So I'm, going to, so I'm going to trade perfectly and the market's going to take my $2,000. And that is your goal. Okay, and I know lots of people that have sat down to trade their strategy perfectly with the intent of losing that money. And of course, what happens is you don't lose the money. Okay, but by you, you're taking away some of the fear that's, that's, that you've been given by that kind of bad run. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what I do. I mean, it's unlikely, if you're if you kind of on your game, it's unlikely the market's just going to keep going against you and going against you, um, you know, for an extended period. Um, if, if it does, you're missing something, right? Um, and at some point, it will just, it will just, it will just get to you, go, go to your head and you'll, yeah. you really will struggle to trade at that point. So that's, that's one thing, you know, um, electronic trading. A lot of us are just sitting at home by ourselves. Um, it, it, it's always good to have a trading buddy or somebody that you can talk to or somebody that you can sort of say, "Hey, you know, having a having a crap day here. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and, and what's going on? What would you do? What are you trading?" And yeah, you know, we do yeah. that back and forth. I know that we when we do talk, uh, you know, how was your day? You know, and so forth. But um, sometimes when you are sitting uh, by yourself trading electronically, you got yourself in a locked room. Um, and you're the only one there. What sometimes what I suggest is is if you are in question of certain moves, certain actions, ask yourself a question. Ask yourself, um, you put a bid on. Ask yourself that question. Why did I put that bid on? All right, and make sure that you have a good answer, a correct answer, not just well because you know last trade was a loser. I got to get that money back. That's not the correct answer. Have <laughs> absolutely, some, you know, and, and but but see that's just it. It's like a lot of us do that, and and before we start asking ourselves questions, um, we don't have answers. We don't even have the questions. We're just reacting, and yeah. that's what Peter's trying to say: is that strategy really is a, a successful formula in progressing in electronic trading in any trading you need to have a game plan you need to have that strategy it's not just going out there and just throwing a 90 mile an hour fastball uh you know yeah. so it, it it has to be prepared now uh, absolutely and and every component of that strategy you have to know how every component of that strategy performs 
So if you go away and get Jim Dalton's book on market profile and then just write all the rules down from the book and try and use it, you will fail, right? But if you look for all those behaviors and actually figure out how each behavior really plays out over time, that's the way you make it work. Well said. Very well said. Now, Peter, um, appreciate your being with us here. Uh, you've, gave, you've given us a great direction here on uh, you know, the first steps of putting a strategy together, uh, the second step of following through with a strategy, and then the final step is uh, you know, revi uh, revisiting your strategy mm -hmm. and, and using it again. And uh, so far, um, you know, throughout the years, I know that my strategy has always changed. It's changed with the market. You've got to, you got to flow with the market. I mean, you just can't be, uh, you, you know, you can't have your sailboat going upriver all the time. All right. Yeah. Uh, you, you need to adjust. You need to fine tune. And if you are good at doing that, and if you know when to do that, uh, the stress level uh, is much, much lower. And you're going to see you're, you're going to see the light of day a lot more. Now, yeah. um, now, Peter, I uh, want to ask you a few questions. And mm -hmm. obviously, I have been asking you questions this whole interview, but I got some fun questions for you if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I wanted to ask you. you know, we're talking about strategies and talking about stress and talking about sometimes when the market just knows who you are and doesn't like you. I want to ask you what the scariest trade that you have ever made? What's the scariest trade you have ever made? Um, I don't know. I, I, wouldn't, I, don't know if I, I don't know if it's a scary one. Um, I, I kind of, I, there was one I thought was scary and, uh, for, for a while. I got into a, I used to day trade um, earning stocks. I remember once um, I, I shorted eBay off the open. And, um, you know, on shares you don't need a big change, but I was up, uh, within minutes I was up one, one, $1.70 per share on eBay and it was oh my god this is fantastic it's fantastic and I was you know and it was driving it was and it was moving it was 170 it was 180 I'm like oh my god this is fantastic and I'd accidentally shorted one share <laughs> so I made so but so you know instead of like trying to you know instead of for some reason for some reason I had the quantity on my um, order entry tool set to one so I'd gone through all this period of excitement. I'd got in the, and it'd come against me a little bit. I'm like, oh, oh and, then, and then it'd gone my way and it was running, it was running, it was running. And I just looked across at the P&L and I'm like, up one pet, $1.70. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, let me ask you, did, did you get that tunnel vision? Did you get that deer in headlights sort of uh, <laughs> feeling? Um, I got that kick. I got that kicking myself head, uh, feeling. <laughs> I, t I tend not to get that. I tend not to get that because I'm, I came into this really skeptical and I'm really risk averse. So I don't, I've never put anything on the table. I couldn't afford to lose. Not right. once, right. not one, not even one trade. Okay. Smart, smart to do it. So, you know, we always talk about, um, know what you're going to do before the situation arises. If you got an order mm -hmm. in and the market's going to break, all right, what are you going to do? Market's going to rally. What are you going to do? Um, if there's a mistake made, you put something in, what do you need to do? Always have that ready so you're not sitting there like a deer in headlights. And, yeah. uh, you know, market's moving and you're just losing money hand over fist before you can even get your hand on the mouse to get yourself out of it. So know what you're going to do just to basically to... Uh, uh, you know, save your save your behind. Know what you need. Absolutely, to you can. You know, you can knock yourself out of this game in one day. Exactly. You knock yourself out in an hour. It's just not. 
you know, you've got to try and avoid it at all costs. Right, at all costs. All right, uh, Peter, another question here. Now, here at Top Step Trader, uh, they gave me a spending spree. And I went out <laughs> and I bought myself a time machine. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I want to take you for a ride. Okay, take you for a ride yeah. on my time machine. If you could go back into time with me uh, and mm -hmm. tell yourself one thing as you started out, what would that be? Oh, I'd tell myself what actually would end up making me money in the end. I, I would I would tell myself just to avoid um, anything that sounds like it would be easy. Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest it's – not, it's not money that we lose when we learn to trade. It's time. I spent so much time. I spent so much time trying to figure this out just with all the nonsense off the internet, all the nonsense on websites, all the nonsense on – and it's not as bad now, but all nonsense on some of these sites that are promising all this stuff, trading books, all that stuff. I wish I could have that time back. You know, that's that's a big regret. And, and I think for a lot of traders, you know, like I was this typical guy – you know, once I got into this, I'm all, I'm all getting, you know, getting home from work. So I was working. I was getting home from work. I was, I was on it all, all night, Saturdays and Sundays. I was, in, I had my nose in books and stuff like that, and just completely wasting my time. You know, I wish I could. Uh, I know it's, it's not so bad right now, but I, I wish I hadn't wasted all the time, and I wish people wouldn't have to waste all that time as well. Okay, understandable. Now. Um, how about your, your, we talked about your scariest trading, uh, scariest mm -hmm. trade ever made. How about your favorite trade at the moment? What's your favorite trade that you have did at this moment? Okay, well, um, not individually, it's a, set, it's a setup more than a favorite trade. The S&P has been, you know, uh, since, right. <laughs> since the summer. It's, oh, God. Um, what I'm liking at the moment is um, volume blow-offs in thinner markets like crude. Really, just because, you know, I've had to take my eyes off the S&P because it's just, I'm not sitting here all, you know, you know, day after day after day and just like not taking trades. Um, I've not typically been a thin market guy, but I just love the way that, um, you know, crude crude and, and gold and DAX and markets like that, they just, everybody piles on in one direction and they get stuck in a market just whips back. And I think if you can just, um, if you can just, you know, that's a, a behavior in the market that happens a lot. So that's a behavior. If you can just figure yourself out some rules and staying safe playing those trades, they're lovely little trades over really quickly. Um, you can get in. You don't have to risk a lot of money. You just like you can't. If you're the deer in the headlights and hard to get out of trades, don't do it. But it's a lovely little trade. It really is. It's a nice trade. You get in. You, you know fairly quickly if it's going to work out or not. Um, and you get out. So. The, the volume blocks at the moment. All right, thanks, Peter. Now, um, want to ask you something about you've you've gone through this and uh, you've you've had the highs and the lows and the highest of highs and lowest of lows, and you've uh, you've reached a plateau of success and you sh mm -hmm. you're sharing it with a lot of people. Um, now, being successful, there's always that reward. I know that uh, usually when I am successful, I try to make sure that uh, I award myself with something. All right, something. Now, I want to ask you, um, a favorite toy, all right? What's Ooh. your favorite toy? Um, I like driving. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like driving, so I like, I like to, to drive cars. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bit tough out here where I live is because there's, um, there's a 60% tax on, car, on cars. 
and uh, 300% tax on uh, uh, like luxury cars, um, which is uh, a bit bit taxing. But I do like to drive. Um, I'm not sure what my favourite toy is, to be honest. I've got like um, I do um, drive a bigger car, like a big BMW, but it's a fairly sporty one. Um, but I've also got this. I've also got a little Mercedes, um, which is just it just spins all over the place when you put your foot down. It's so fun. I don't know whether I don't know if they just like the, the the guy who did traction control was away the day they built that car. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So really, that's that's really my favourite toy because um, it's just, you know it's just one of the things you can just go and blow off a bit of steam. Um, you know, just put your foot down a little bit. You don't have to go completely crazy, but. Um, yeah, that's my story, and, and I'm not really, to be honest. I, other than that, I don't really bother. I'm not really a big, um, I'm not really a big, big stuff person. Um, you know, I like, uh, I like to do things. You know, I like to go out and like to do things, I like to go running and stuff. But I don't really need to to own a lot of things. Yeah, I know. I, I respect you as a friend. Uh, we've known each other for years, mm-hmm. and uh, I do know that uh, at least on my spectrum. Uh, working out, riding the bike, is only when needed. So, um, I do. You know, I just want to uh, point out that uh, you do ride your bike, and uh, yeah. you do put on some miles, some astounding miles. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a little uh, update on uh, your physical fitness uh, using the bikes. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, to be honest, I've calmed down a little bit on the cycling because I've closed the bike track. Um, I've, I've I've cut back on roads cycling at the at the moment because um, the dog population where I am is just completely out of control. And um, I've had, you know, having been out getting bitten by dogs, having to have rabies injections, that kind of thing, it's not real fun. Uh, bike track's out at the moment, but the bike track's coming online hopefully in the next few weeks. Um, and then that will be just a daily thing in the morning, probably 6 o'clock in the morning, um, go to the bike track, you know, just do 50K on the track. And um, it's just a it's just a wonderful way to I, I'm I'm like the worst person at playing cards and, and a lot of stuff like that I'm kind of um, I don't know what the word is I'm kind of jumpy yeah, if I've been running or if I've been cycling I get really relaxed and it's just a good state of mind to be in so I really like to you know especially in the evenings I like to go running in the evening um, just to kind of chill me out because I like to trade in the evenings in my evenings. I, I, it's just a it's just a good thing to do, um, but mentally more than anything else. Sure, sure. So maybe I need a uh, wild dog population in my neighborhood to uh, shed some pounds. I'll take you up on that. <laughs> it's a great idea. All right. Well, Peter, thank you very much for being with us. As always, um, mm-hmm. very informative, great insight, and you're well respected in the traders community. Uh, now, I, I next question I want to ask you is. Peter, where can people find you online? Because I do know that uh, many that are listening will want to be checking this out. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I've, I've been around. <laughs> so, could, so you can actually Google my name, and there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of articles in different places. Um, if you go to jigsawtrading.com, uh, I've got a blog on there. So I post that blog. You know, sometimes it's trade videos. Um, you know, sometimes it's the fact the market's changed a little bit and to give people a heads up. So if you just go to jigsawtrading.com, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of content on there, and I'm always putting content. So that's the best place to find me. All right. So that is www.jigsawtrading.com. And, Absolutely. Uh, if you want to do the Google 
Peter Davies, D-A-V-I-E-S. So give it a uh, give it a Google, check it out. But uh, otherwise, Peter, I really appreciate being with us here. And uh, like I said, we've got the pleasure to have you here uh, during the week. And uh, we will talk soon. So, my friend, uh, be safe and watch out for those wild hyenas. I will do. I'll try. I'll try. Thanks, Eddie. All right. Take care, Peter. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. I'd like to thank Peter for that. It was a great, uh, great conversation on that. Now, John, um, what are some of the takeaways traders can get from this? Yes. And uh, again, thank you, Peter, for uh, such great information. Uh, working with traders every day, uh, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people start out with is understanding how markets work in shorter time frame. It's probably, as a matter of fact, it is easier to make uh, good probabilities in shorter time frames. Looking at the longer time frame is, is going to be a lot more difficult, for, especially for newer traders. Um, and I think it's really what he mentioned about starting in a short time frame, looking for you know, smaller opportunities when you're getting into this, I thought was was uh, was a very good point. Now, John, you talk about time frames. Can can you give us a breakdown time frame? Absolutely. When you are looking at getting into trading, even if you've been trading for a for a long per long period of time, um, understanding how the different time frames work against each other. You've got short time frames. You've got scalpers, people that are looking for, you know, one to five or ten ticks per trade they're trading more often they're 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 more active they're more uh, intuitive I would have to say with those short time frame activities uh, sometimes getting beyond that is is going to suit a personality a little bit better and I know we're going to talk about personality a little bit more uh, it's coming up here but um, you know some people are going to say okay you know that's great I, I've, I'm doing well in short time frame, looking for you know five to ten ticks per trade, um, but I'm noticing sometimes that hey, sometimes these trades are worth a little bit more. So maybe I should, you know, give these trades a little bit longer of a of a chance to to, to play out better in my favor. So right. you know that's I think um, you know one of the important parts is you know if, when you can you know make relatively consistent profitable decisions in short time frame, you might be looking forward to longer time frames further down the road patience patience discipline discipline all right um john what other takeaways uh did we have from here that you thought uh, help our traders well one of the things that he did mention is um trading plans should be specific but not mechanical in other words um i think a lot of people start to think okay i've got this trading plan and that leaves me from responsibility from recognizing changes in the marketplace um, you you have to be able to respond to when changes occur, even you know mid trade. Um, if you think that you can just stick with one trading plan constantly, never change, um, you're you're probably going to have a kind of a, a tougher road because markets change, market states change. Recognizing those changes uh, is certainly going to cause you to um, adapt your trading plan to those tr to those specific trading um, situations. Now, he did mention specific versus mechanical. Can you give us two uh, examples? Uh, absolutely. Uh, a specific plan would be, uh, I think, um, it would be having 
specific reasons or setups why you're going to get into trades and then managing those trades according to real-time information that you're getting from your tool, okay? A mechanical uh, strategy would be one that you could you could have a, a computer perform for you. You, okay. you set it up. It looks for specific things. It only takes those trades, and it play, and it trades those, and it manages those trades mechanically with without any thought or reason. Now, sometimes you can you'll be able to maybe put together a mechanical strategy that might work for a short period of time, but things always change. It's one thing we can always count on in this business is things are going to change, and that mechanical strategy may not work for long. All right. Now, now Peter uh, was discussing personalities. It's uh, some of the uh, the ideas actually saying uh, match your your personality to your product um what's what's the takeaway on that for traders well it's you know there's so many different types of personalities and different products to trade this can take some time for you some people like a market that moves really quickly um you know some of your metals uh nasdaq uh sometimes even crude oil their their ranges the way they move is a lot faster it's probably a lot more exciting for people to be looking at those than let's say the 30-year bond which tends to be a lot slower uh, and a little bit maybe more methodical in its in its action. So the understanding your personality and how to re, to relate that to a specific product, a specific, or even a specific market state and or um, time frame is is very important. So you always want to be keeping a a, a finger on. Who you are as a trader? Do you want to be involved involved more often? Do you want to be an, a more active trader? Well, you're going to be a shorter time frame. Do you want a market that's going to move faster, Nasdaq crude, or a, or a slower market? I you know I would consider the S and P's kind of a slower S and P's. Yeah, I was going to say you know just starting out that would probably be a good market to uh, uh, to look at because I mean it does move, but uh, I mean it does have the extremes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, I mean it's it's more controllable. I'm not. I shouldn't say controllable, but uh, uh, it, it's more easier to read than some of these other markets, and uh, you won't get left in the dust. Now, um, above that, I mean, I'm, I mean, uh, alongside of that, there's there's the liquidity. I mean, the S and P's are the, probably the most liquid futures product out there. So you're going to be able to, you know, be able to count on getting in and getting out when you want. All right. Now, now Peter said it's not money that we lose when we're trading the wrong products. It's time. Uh, I really believe that's a real smart insight. What's your take on that? Well, there's an opportunity loss anytime you you are not trading your strategy, not trading the product you should be trading or in the time frame that you should be trading. I thought this was a really good point as well. Um, you know, f- for performance coaching, you know, we try and, and help people get to the point where they're able to maintain and build an account over time. What that means to me is they're in the right place, they're trading the right strategy, and they're basically... Um, buying that time, buying time to stay in it, buying time to continue to grow as a trader, to adapt their strategy to different market states, to really start to get into becoming a consistent and profitable trader. So uh, if you're not trading the right product, you're you're, you're wasting time. If you're not trading your strategy, 
you're wasting time if you are not trading in the time frame that you would be most comfortable. Again, you can be wasting time, but it does take some time to to, to dis- make those decisions. Right. Another thing that he did add, talking about that daily loss limit, uh, also cuts his trading off after a specified number of consecutive losing trades, which uh, it seems like a lot of newer traders uh, don't realize when to put the brakes on and uh, crossing your fingers and hoping that the market turns around. There's a lot of times where you have to just accept that loss and move on to the next day. Well, and that's part of our trade reports. You hear Test of Trader, we list how many consecutive losing trades you had in a given day, how many consecutive winning trades you've had in a, in a, in a, in a trading day. And it's something that I use quite a bit in, in some of my coachings is, okay, you know, you've had six consecutive losing trades this particular day. You've never been able to dig out of a, of a day where you had six consecutive losing trades. So when you start to get around four or five, you you may w- want to take a step back and think, you know, am I seeing things right? What am I missing that's causing me to have these these consecutive losses awesome. one after another like that? Awesome. Completely agree. All right. All right. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Peter Davies of JigsawTrading.com. And, and, of course, joining me here today, John Hoagland. John, great having your perspective here in the Top Step Trader broadcast booth. Well, it's always a pleasure to be here, Eddie. Always great to spend time with you, my friend. Likewise. Likewise. All right, traders, as always, thank you for spending time with us. Give us feedback on any of our interviews at LimitUp at TopStepTrader.com. And if you got time, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Thank you so much, and see everyone next time. Trade well. Trade well. Take care. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.